0: Welcome to the Nourishing Africa podcast. Today, we are joined by Nokwazi Mzobe, founder and CEO of Motoyana, an entrepreneurship development consulting firm based in South Africa. Thank you for joining us. Thank you
1: for inviting me. Um, before we start, could you please just give us a brief overview of who you are, what you do? So yes, Nokwazi um, Mzobe, I'm based in in South Africa. I run an entrepreneurship development agency called Motoyana. I've been running it for the last seven years. And the work I do really is to work with startups, small businesses or bigger organizations such as FMCG companies or even business schools in order to develop and and help small businesses grow. I started this in 2013 and it was really by fluke. I'd um, just come back to South Africa from doing um, my MBA in the U.S. and China, and I was just twiddling my thumbs and felt that I could add value somewhere whilst I was still looking and deciding what to do post-MBA, and I volunteered for a program called the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Women Program, and I volunteered as a mentor to a number of small businesses, female-led. And, and pretty much that's where my journey starts. I went from volunteering to some of the women starting to ask me if I provide this as a service and where I started consulting directly into their businesses. And then also the business school that was partnering with um, the program, they then asked me to become more involved in some of their facilitation and lecturing. And and that's how um, that's how I started and got into the space.
0: And in terms of, of what you found in this sector, what are some of the key challenges that these entrepreneurs are facing, what have you seen and how can that be fixed from your opinion?
1: Wow, um, that's a big question. So, uh, you know, for me, it it was quite interesting because the group of women I started with um, were established businesses and the majority had been operating for, I'd say, over three to five years. And so what I noticed specifically with them is that a lot of them tended to hit a glass ceiling and and went and and weren't able to grow and i noticed that you know the opportunity over there was that most people tend to work in their business they become resources in their business rather than kind of working on the business and you know looking outwards and being more strategic and so when i started off it was really about that um helping people to to step out and work on versus working in the business so that they're able to to focus on things like you know marketing visibility being able to you know do sales pitches and so and and so forth rather than being reliant on the traditional leads that 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 they'd had so that was the initial issue that i found for those businesses that had been operating for a couple of years um but as i started working more with startups and, and early-stage entrepreneurs and, and even with, I'd say, more innovative entrepreneurs, you know, the issues then really differ. You know, I'd say that with the more innovative entrepreneurs, what I tended to find or what I still tend to find is that it's really strong technicians who know how to develop a great product or service but struggle to turn that into a viable business model and be able to commercialize that. And they'll spend too much time on perfecting the service or the product versus looking at ways to bring it into market and start selling. The other opportunity, I think, is people being able to find the right resources to, to work with them within their ventures. So, you know, a complaint I hear a lot of the time is that the great resources are too expensive and they'd rather work for big corporates than come work for a small startup, which in, in a sense leads to having access to funding. And, you know, a lot of times people mistake that access to funding is about, you know, funding the start of a business. But for some of these businesses, it's about being able to get the right resources and capabilities into their businesses in order to allow them to continue to grow and innovate, you know, and move out of the startup early stage phase. So I think that's definitely another problem. And I would say, you know, another problem I've seen more with what I'd say, more just traditional businesses or, you know, people who are freelancers or running a bakery or something like that, which is more of a traditional business I find that they don't fully understand how to run a business. So they're great again at delivering, at being a great graphic designer or web developer. But then they fall short on things like how do I invoice or invoicing on time or managing their admin. And, you know, all of these things, you know, people forget impacts how a client or a consumer um, has a relationship with you as a total business. Because if you invoice late, if you are a grumpy service provider, you know, all of those things, they impact how the consumer um, views you. And so even though you may start off with having customers in the long run, you find that you don't have repeat customers. So I'd say just understanding business as a whole and how it works is another opportunity that I, I noticed specifically with early stage business owners or entrepreneurs.
0: That was really insightful. It seems that you have a, a good understanding of an entrepreneurs and building um, businesses, both small and medium size. You've mentioned that you're going to pivot your business model. Can you give us an understanding
1: as to why you're doing this, um, how you came to this realization? So um, the reason why I'm doing this is that, you know, the way I've been operating is that when I came into, into this space, uh, you know, I came in as a volunteer. And then as a volunteer, I ended up being a service provider. And in a sense, as a service provider, I started off purely as a consultant. So going into people's businesses and and helping them close the gaps. And, you know, when you service this particular market of small to medium-sized businesses, one of the things that I realized is that there's a reason why there weren't a lot of consultants in the space because the majority of the business owners either can't afford you and you will spend the same amount of time servicing them as you would service a big guy. And so for for me, that is the first time I had to pivot my business model, where I had to realize that I still want to service a small business or a startup because that's where my passion lay. But I needed to find another way to generate revenue and to make it sustainable for me. And and so that's how I pivoted to to a third party model where I managed to get either corporate sponsors or corporate partners or even business schools where they would pay me in order to work with the businesses or, or be involved with the businesses. So it was really third party. And what then happened over there, and this has kind of been how I've operated for the last couple of years, I've worked with a number of accelerators, incubators, a whole lot of organizations. And I think what happened, which is pretty much the issue that I highlighted in the beginning of what I saw with other small businesses is that I was able to grow and scale to a certain level. And then I got to a point where I would say that I hit the glass ceiling with regards to how I can expand and grow as a, an, as a business and as a service provider because what happened and I made, you know, the big service provider or solo service provider mistake of the customers trusted me so much that when I brought in other people, they didn't want to work with them, they want to work with me. And, and so that's not a scalable business model. And so I had to sit down and then say, okay, Nkwazi, you know, where is the value? Um, and, and what exactly are your clients really valuing with regards to what you 're providing and I realized it was my content it 's how I delivered it it 's how I was able to work with some of the entrepreneurs and and so I realized that I needed to pivot from rather being you know me going in to service them and so forth and moving more to a digital platform and you know, providing my services digitally, but as well kind of also being critical of what I enjoyed doing versus what I was kind of forced to do because this is what my clients wanted me to do. And so um, what I pivoted to and what I am pivoting to is being more of a knowledge and content provider online and really moving away from the one to one or even the group facilitation which i spent a lot of my time doing with my corporate clients and and also moving more into designing projects that i am able to deliver within a number of partners and basically leveraging other people's skills versus me being the implementer within the particular project. And so that's really where I'm pivoting to in terms of being more digitally focused, more content. You know, we even changed um, some of our social media pages from Matoyana Consulting to more, more Matoyana Media because our whole aim is to continue to empower um, small businesses and entrepreneurs, but to empower them with the right content and um, with the right tools they need to, to, in order to start or scale their businesses.
0: You had mentioned that you're leveraging on technology and at Nourishing Africa, we're very big advocates for using technology and innovation within your work. Can you give us a, a deeper dive into how exactly you're using technology? You mentioned that you're putting things online um, and you're trying to digitalize the work that you were doing. But can you provide more information on that and how other entrepreneurs can, can follow suit or do
1: similar things? I think what, where I started is pretty much with the technologies that have been easily available. So the first ones that I've leveraged are what we're using right now for this recording, Zoom. I have used SoundCloud with regards to the podcast that we've we've created to host it there. We revamped our website last year to to make it more compatible to any multimedia um, content that we're creating. So we're doing a bit more of multimedia content than what we used to to do before, which was basically just write a a blog article. So we are looking, how do we bring things to life and where can we host them? So um, initially, that's where the strategy has been in terms of being platform agnostic and leveraging YouTube, Facebook, uh, our website and other platforms in order to share our content. And I think, you know, where we are moving to now is that we're at a point where we're really analyzing and spending more time actually analyzing the data on, um, you know, how are our users engaging on these different platforms, you know, and basically using that data to help us then decide, do we continue with this platform agnostic strategy or do we now Um, invest more into creating a platform where we can bring people on. So I think for me, that's been the one part. The other part is basically looking at creating more online learning courses. And I think the opportunity that we've recognized over here is courses that's targeted more to your everyday small business and so we're, we're looking at some, you know, open source like Moodle or Teachable, those platforms as well, in order to use that to, to host our online learning courses. So that's really been our strategy. And, and I think for me, it's, you know, sometimes we think we're being innovative by creating a platform from scratch whereas if we just take the time to understand you know these open source platforms that we can plug in to what we've already developed and, and basically leverage those in order to, to put our content out there. And so for us, that's really been the strategy is that whatever we find that could that we can plug into is, is the route that we go. I
0: love that you have just stated that you used a lot of open source and free tools available to you. Because oftentimes people feel as though to get the good stuff, you have to pay for it. But there are so many inexpensive or free open source tools online for entrepreneurs in this space and in other sectors to try and digitalize their business and do things online. That's wonderful. And to close off, the last thing I wanted to ask was what advice do you have for entrepreneurs, particularly in the agriculture and food sector? What advice do you have for them in terms of pivoting your business model, given the current COVID-19 epidemic that we're facing? a lot of businesses have realized that they are not resilient and they're not adaptable to shock. And we've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and their businesses close down either temporarily or completely. And a lot of them have now decided that they need to either revamp their business model or start again. So what advice do you have for them in doing this?
1: So for for me, there's a group called, I think, BMI Lab, who I, I follow a lot. And I like their, their angle towards business model, which basically says, you know, you ask the four questions, who's your customer, what's your value proposition, you know, how do you go about it, so the value chain and, and the why, so what's the profit, and, and basically what they explain and go further to say that to innovate your business model, you just need to change two parts of that. So you don't have to change the whole, all four questions or all four parts, but just two parts. And so my suggestion to the agri-processing, agri-entrepreneurs who are rethinking is ask yourself, where can I see opportunity or where can I change? And one could be, which customers have I been servicing? And are there a broader group of customers that I can service? The other part could be, how have I been delivering or how have I been operating? And is there a way to partner with other people and leverage other people's skills and networks and platforms in, in order for me to plug in and to be able to leverage somebody else's tools and assets? And I think, you know, for me, in this day and age, especially if you're still quite small, There's nothing wrong with leveraging other people and partnering and being a sub-distributor. And really, for me, that's where I would say is just sit down and, and look at the opportunities that you haven't recognized because you've been so focused on operating in the traditional way. The other thing that I would look at as well is to explore the whole value chain, So what tends to happen is that we tend to just focus in the part of the value chain where we operate, but we don't fully understand the full value chain and where the opportunities may be over there, where you can further plug in and further add value. And so for me, that would also then be my suggestion. You know, you may find that some of these maybe smallholder farmers could add value to an agricultural college and become, you know, a lecturer there and a thought leader and a service provider. There's just so many ways that you can you can pivot and add value to your business model. But you just have to first take the time, map out how you structure at the moment, and then really look and understand where and how you can pivot.
0: Thank you so much, Nquazim Zobe, for joining us. We really appreciate your insights on this important topic. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Nourishing Africa Podcast. See you again next time.